All right. Good morning, Faith Baptist and others joining us as visitors. It's good to have you on this Easter Sunday, 2020. Although we are in a unique situation right now, I don't know about you, but I still feel like we have the victory through Jesus Christ. He is victorious over death, hell, and the grave each and every day. We celebrate it, especially this morning and today, this resurrection Easter Sunday morning. And so we're so glad that you could join us. And we'll be doing things a little different this morning. I just want to basically share my message, and so we'll get straight into that. But we thank you so much for each and every one who has joined us on the live stream, Facebook, YouTube, and our website, or either hosting a watch party. Thank you so much for being with us here at Faith Baptist as we are streaming live this morning through these platforms. So I just want to make sure that everybody can see and hear me well, as we often do. So if you could let me know in the comments, I appreciate it to make sure before we get geared up here. And if you have the word of God, please take it with me to the gospel of John chapter number 19, the gospel of John chapter number 19. Now, what I want to focus in on this morning is we are so thankful that we have what we call the gospel. The gospel is made up of three elements, three vital elements that make up the good news, the gospel, and that is the death. And we hear a whole lot about the death of Christ, his crucifixion, his scourging, his, uh, all of these things, the crown of thorns placed upon his head and they spit upon him, uh, and him suffering and shedding his blood for our sins. Then we have the burial. Now, we don't hear a whole lot about the burial, but I got good news this morning. The burial is what I'm going to share about this morning. I want to focus in on that, and it's going to tie into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want you to see that because if it were not for the death, plus the burial, plus the resurrection, we would not have what? The gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to preach to you on the subject of getting out of the grave clothes. We're going to follow, the, the word grave clothes is only found one time in all of Scripture, and it's dealing with Lazarus uh, in John chapter 11, when the Lord Jesus told him to come forth and so forth. But it also is con connection with the linen clothes. The linen clothes has to do with the burial of Christ, and there were two individuals that we're going to see that were instrumental in this burial of Jesus Christ. So we have these elements, and today we celebrate upon the first day of the week, according to the Bible, which is Sunday. Well, most people would say, well, Monday's the first day of the week. It's the first day of the work week, but not the first day of the week, according to the Bible. And so what I want to show you here is when we come to John chapter number 19 in verse number 38, the Bible says, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, I want you to focus in on this individual. Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple, okay, he was a follower of Jesus, but secretly, I think that is so important. I've underlined that in my Bible. Secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And look at verse 39. We're going to be introduced to another individual. We've seen him earlier in the Gospel of John. 
And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. We remember him from John chapter number three and brought him a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Verse 40, then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes. I want you to follow those linen clothes throughout this sermon with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, a new sepulcher. We're going to focus in on that a little bit here later too. Wherein never a man yet laid. Verse 42, there laid they, Je- there laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So we know here what has already transpired is the death of Christ, his uh, scourging in John chapter 19, verse number two, he was whipped. He was scourged. They placed a crown of thorns upon his head. John chapter 19 and verse two, they smote him on the face with their hands. They plucked the beard from his face. He suffered for our sins on the cross and he has shed his blood. These things have already transpired, but I want you to focus in on something. In verse number 38, we find some secret disciples, these secret agent disciples that are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice them. We pointed them out earlier. Number one would be Joseph of Arimathea. He is so instrumental in this. Think about what would have happened if it wasn't for Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Look at this. Let's learn a little bit about Joseph of Arimathea. Number one, he was rich. We know this according to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph. Notice it said a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. All right, Jesus has his disciples, his 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, but he has to be a, a disciple of the Lord Jesus means to be a follower. He has many followers. And this rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, was a follower. He was a pupil. He was a student of the Lord Jesus. So he was rich. Secondly, he was a prominent member of the Jewish council. Mark chapter 15, verse 43. Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor. That's Mark 15, 43. So we see he's rich. He was a prominent member of the Jewish council. Thirdly, he was a good and righteous man who had not consented, had not consented to the, what the council did. We see that in Luke's gospel, chapter 23, verses 50 and 51. The Bible says, and behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, who was a good man. Now, if the Bible says you're a good man, you're a good man. And a just now notice verse 51, the same had not consented to the council and the deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a king or a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This is the type of person that we're talking about here, Joseph of Arimathea. So he had not consented to the, what the council and everybody else, the majority had done. He was a member of the believing minority of Jews who were praying for the Messiah to come. Mark chapter 15, verse 43. Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited 
for the kingdom of God. Next, he is a disciple of the Lord Jesus. John chapter 19 and verse 38, we've seen that, being a disciple of Jesus. So, so important. We're going to come back to Joseph of Arimathea in a moment and share something else that he allowed Jesus to borrow, that he spent a lot of time preparing for him exclusively. So we see a little bit about Joseph of Arimathea. Let's look at Nicodemus. We know a little bit more about Nicodemus. Nicodemus is that same individual that we're all familiar with that came, the one, the religious man who came to Jesus by night in John chapter number three. He was religious, but he was lost. And this is the one that the Lord Jesus said to him, you must be born again. And even though he had religion and he knew the Bible and so forth, he was lost. And so the Lord Jesus even was the one who quoted to him one of the most the famous Scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. That is who he was speaking to, a religious lost man at that point. So this is the same one he came to Jesus by night. There's a lot of skepticism of why he came at night. We won't get into that. But whatever happened to Nicodemus? Did he, did he believe? Did uh, When the Lord Jesus told him, Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Whatever happened to him? Did he believe and receive, or did he doubt and go without? Well, the Bible if we follow him through the gospel of John, we find him in chapter three, and then we find him in chapter number seven, that he stood up for Jesus. Now, let me say something. If you stand up for Jesus and you take Jesus aside, friend, there's been a difference in your life. You, we see who you're standing for. And here Nicodemus takes up, if you will, for Jesus. He stood up for Jesus. In John chapter seven, verse 43 and following, so there was a division among the people because of him, and some of them would have taken, but he laid no hands on him. Then came the officers and answered, Never a man like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Now listen, here we introduced we see, we see Nicodemus, verse 50, Nicodemus saith unto them, he that, to, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, in parentheses, showing it's the same individual, so we don't get him mixed up with some other Nicodemus, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, this is the answer back, art thou from Galilee, search and look. And so we do know that he went and he did search and he did look as he took up for Christ. So let's look at these secret disciples, if you would. I like to call them God's secret agents. It's not that they were ashamed, but they were those who worked in the background, who got things done, and they don't get a lot of attention. They don't get a lot of fanfare. They don't get a parade. Probably most people would go through this entire resurrection week and totally forget about these two instrumental individuals, these secret agents. See, Joseph kept undercover because he feared the Jews. All right, he, some things don't need to be done out in front of everybody. He was wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. So we see Joseph and Arimathea and Nicodemus were God's secret agents. Nicodemus was God's secret agent in the Sanhedrin. God has people everywhere, folks. Notice in verse 38 how immediately, this is so important, so important, how immediately Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate. Here's Jesus on the cross in a, 
in a display of humiliation. The crucifixion was uh, was humiliating uh, death. It was that uh, we sing the song, hey, about being despised and rejected, that, that old rugged cross, uh, so despised and rejected. It was not popular. It was, that's where thieves and, and hoodlums went to, to be crucified. It was uh, an emblem of shame, as the, the hymn says. And he was waiting and requested the body. Had he not, what would have happened to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ? What would have happened? He came at the request of the body of Jesus. He was waiting, lurking in the shadows, waiting for the opportune time for God to use him for one of the most, one of the most instrumental, important things that make up the gospel. Do you see that? So he requests the body of Jesus. This indicates that Joseph and Nicodemus were close by waiting to see that the Lord Jesus was given what? A proper, a proper, respectful burial. Those who died at crucifixion did not receive a proper respectful burial. That what happened with them is their bodies were discarded as rubbish. Imagine if he would have procrastinated. Imagine if he would have waited. Imagine if he would not have been ready and prepared and knew the scriptures and was waiting for such a time as this, as it says in the book of Esther. So I want to bring your attention to those grave clothes. We see the importance of these two secret agents and Nicodemus. And we see also Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, and so what happens is they take the body of the Lord Jesus and the body, uh, it is emphasized that they prepare that body for burial. This is found in all of the four gospels. It's found in Matthew chapter 27, verse 59. The Bible says, and when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen and laid it in a new tomb. That's each gospel, which is so wonderful. The Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all give the account of the death, burial, and resurrection. Mark chapter 15, verses 44 through 47 says, And Pilate marveled if he were already dead and called unto him the centurion. He asked him whether he had been a while dead, you know, just to make sure. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph, that's Joseph of Arimathea, and brought him fine. And he brought fine linen and took him down, talking about Christ, off the cross, and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in the sepulcher, in the tomb, which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. Notice this. The reason I'm pointing this out, this is so instrumental and so important and imperative here in a minute. Luke chapter 23, verse 53. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen. All right, those are the grave clothes. And laid it in the sepulcher that was hewn in stone wherever never a man before was laid. John 19, verse 40. They took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Let me show you a couple things, four things really quickly about those grave clothes, those linen clothes. The first, I want to show you four things. Number one, I want to show you the plan for these grave clothes. Number two, the preparation of these grave clothes. Number three, the putting off of these grave clothes. And number four, the proof of these grave clothes. Let's look at number one, the plan 
for the grave clothes. Folks, it was already pre-planned, pre-arranged. It was already predestined that Christ would, it was already pre-planned and pre-arranged by God that his son, the Lord Jesus, would be buried in a barred tomb. This was a fulfillment of prophecy. Notice that, hey, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they had to know prophecy. They had to know the Old Testament scriptures, Isaiah 53, verse number 9. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich, the rich, Joseph of Arimathea, the rich in his death. It was further planned that the Lord Jesus' body would be prepared for burial, wrapped in those fine linen grave clothes, properly buried. And why was this that you may you might ask? It was so important. Listen, so important, so imperative that his body be prepared for burial so that, listen, that the empty grave clothes could be left behind in the tomb. Boy, that gives me chills all over to think about that. I want you to think about the plan for these grave clothes. God has his people in place in the world to fulfill his plans. He has these secret agents, and they're waiting on the outskirts, and they're ready to pounce, if you will, and go in and fulfill that which God wants to have done. And as soon as Christ dies, the seven sands on the cross, suffering, bleeding, and dying for our sins, and many just walk away and think it's all over with. you got God's secret agents out there. They come swooping in Joseph and Nicodemus and they say we got a job to do everybody else has went home but we've got a proper burial that we need to do we need to take care of this body of the Lord Jesus we need to make sure it's properly according to the Jews wrapped in fine linen and grave clothes so that what they may put him in a barred tomb in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb hewn out of a rock that we're going to see here in a minute the stone placed in front of it. And so that what? On resurrection morning, resurrection morning, that John, the apostle, we're going to see here in a minute, and Peter, the apostle, as they look in and they're looking through that tomb, you know where their eyes are going to fixate on? The fine linen grave clothes that are empty. An empty shell, an empty cocoon. That is what, when they're scanning that grave, we're going to see that here in a minute. So we see there is a plan. God is in control. You say, well, we're not able to go to church and we're not able to be in the house of God. I don't feel one bit of defeat today because we have the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that backs me this morning, the word of God. And I'm telling you one thing, there's nothing more powerful than that resurrection. There's been many that's been resurrected to life uh, because of, because he lives. I've been resurrected to life. You've been resurrected to life. You may be resurrected to life today because there's an empty tomb. Let's look at the second one, the preparation for the grave clothes. Notice again how quickly Nicodemus and Joseph rushed to the scene. They were prepared for Jesus's death. Look what was brought. Bible says, and they brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. So it's evident that Joseph and Nicodemus carefully planned their activities at Calvary. They certainly could not 
secure a tomb at the last minute. Boy, that's got to be convicting to a lot of us. It is evident that Joseph and Nicodemus carefully planned their activities at Calvary. They certainly could not secure a tomb at the last minute. Not only could they secure it, but as we're going to see here in a minute, that's not something you can hewn out of a rock, a tomb, a sepulcher in, in a night or in a day or in a week. We're going to see that in a minute. They were prepared. They were careful, carefully planned their activities. They could not secure a tomb at the last minute, nor did they wait till last minute, nor able to purchase 65 pounds of costly spices so quickly during the Passover when many merchants would not be doing business. That's from Warren Wiersbe's commentary. The tomb of Jesus's uh, burial was also carefully prepared. Now let's, let's slow down here a little bit. Think about this. We brush over this. We don't think much about this. We just read it and we're just off to the races, but I want to slow down here. I want you to really think about something this morning. The tomb of Jesus's burial was also carefully prepared. Notice what the four gospels say, and we're going to slow it down a little bit because I want you to get this. Matthew 27, verse number 60, and laid it in his own new tomb. Talk about Joseph, Arathia, his new tomb, something he had pre-purchased. He had bought. He had paid for it with his own money. He was a rich man, remember? Now, notice the next phrase, which he had hewn out in the rock. Let me read that again which he had hewn out in the rock. A grave, a tomb, a sepulcher, whatever you want to call it. A grave that he had hewn, the Bible says, which he had hewn out in the rock. That took some time, folks. (laughs) I've never done any hewning out in a rock, but I'm telling you, that's not something that happens in five minutes especially when you think about that empty tomb and the size of it and the bed and the platform in which Jesus Christ laid upon. Mark 15, verse 46, the latter part of that verse says, and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone into the door of the sepulcher. Let me say something about that. That stone was rolled away the stone was rolled away, but it wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. It was rolled away so that we may look in to see he's not in there. Amen. Luke 23, verse 53. And laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never a man before was laid. Think about Joseph, his preparation. Think about how, you know, I'm not sure if he hewn that out of a rock by himself. He was a rich man, could have hired it out. I know if I was rich, I'd hire that out. But the Bible says that he was the one that overseen it and got it accomplished and got that hewn out and purchased it and bought it and let let the Lord Jesus borrow it. He only needed it for a little while, folks. Would you let Jesus borrow some things that you have? Joseph did. And he made sure that thing was hewn out, and he made sure that it no one else had laid in that tomb except waiting for Jesus. Here's a quote 
It is not likely that Joseph prepared that tomb for himself. He was a wealthy man and certainly would not want to be buried so near a place of execution. He prepared that tomb for Jesus, and he selected a site near Golgotha so that he and Nicodemus could bury Christ's body quickly in proximity to Calvary, in proximity to the cross, to Golgotha. So we've seen several things here. We see the plan, then we see the preparation of the grave grave clothes. Now notice, uh, thirdly, the putting off of these grave clothes. This is good. I don't care who you are. Listen to this. John chapter 20, and we're going to look at a couple of verses here in a minute. But I want you to see the putting off of these grave clothes. Why do, we, do you follow those grave clothes from the preparation to the purchase, the preparation, the actual preparing of Jesus' body to the point of Easter resurrection Sunday morning, they're found and they, they become one of the things Jesus Christ puts off. And lastly, we're going to see they become the one of the major proofs that Jesus Christ is resurrected. His body wasn't stolen, wasn't stolen by the disciples. They didn't scattered. They didn't left. They didn't checked out. Only John the apostle was present at the cross. The rest of them had scattered. Peter denied him. They were nowhere to be found. <laughs> the ladies had to go find them when they seen the stone rolled away. They're looking at putting off of the grave clothes. Now, if you, I want you to look again. I really want you to see this. If you look at Uh, John chapter 20, and the Bible says in verse number one, the first day of the week, uh, that's Sunday, cometh Mary Magdalene. Remember her? She was something else early. Let me say she was something else, right? Now she's follower, disciple of Christ. When it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, because they came real early in the morning, they seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Verse two, then she runneth. All right, these ladies, these ladies become missionaries. Don't discount ladies, ain't that right, ladies? The men done scattered, here they are up early in the morning working. Look at that. And she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and that other disciple whom Jesus loved. This is John the Apostle, the author of the under inspiration of the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of the Revelation. And saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Verse 3, Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So you, you got a lot of running here, a lot of urgency here. You've got Mary Magdalene runs and says, I don't know what they've done with the body of the Lord Jesus. And Simon Peter and John the apostle, the disciple whom Jesus loved, boy, they take off running to that supplicator, And what's going to happen in verse number four, the Bible says, and they both, they ran both together. This is Peter and John and the other disciple, that's John. He outrun Peter. Now you could really ask, why did John outrun Peter? I've heard someone say that, and it's probably about right, that uh, John was much younger than Simon Peter. See where I'm going with that? <laughs> Take off running. Which one's going to arrive there first? Some people would play into that and say, well, John loved him more. I think it might be a age difference because we're going to see something else uh, about their personalities here in a minute too. Now look in verse number five, it says he outrun Peter. John, now notice, notice the mouth of the tomb. Imagine that you're in the, you're in the gray, the tomb, the sepulcher, and you're looking out and you see two men running. 
and they're running, and one man comes to the mouth, the opening of the tomb, and he stops, and he stoops down, and he looks in. And it says in verse 5, and he's stooping down, that's John the Apostle. He was a little skeptical about things. He's going to look in there. I don't know about you, if I went to a grave, I might be a little apprehensive there. He stooped down, and the Bible says, looking in, those of you looking at your Bibles, those of you reading Scripture, what does he see? He's scanning, scanning, scanning the tomb. He's looking in, he's stooped down, he's looking. Where does his eyes fixate? The Bible tells us here, he saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went not in. Now here comes Simon Peter trotting behind him, right? Now Peter was impulsive. He would stick his foot in his mouth. Notice what he does. Then comes Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher. Here's Simon Peter, boy. He takes off running. He doesn't stop. John's just sitting there looking in like this, apprehensive. Peter just walks right in there. I mean, he just walks right in the tomb. Uh, he doesn't hesitate one bit once he catches up. Notice what it says. Then Simon Peter followeth him, following him, and seeth, and went into the sepulcher. And he seeth what, church? The linen clothes lie. The linen clothes. What did they see in the tomb? Lying on the stone shelf, if you will, the flat there, still wrapped in the shape of a body was laying there. It was those linen clothes. Linen clothes. Jesus had passed through the grave clothes and left evidence that he was alive. They lay there like an empty cocoon. There was no sign of a struggle. There was there the grave clothes, those linen clothes were there, and they were not in any kind of disarray to dismiss and discount anybody who would ever say that they stole him, they took him. Boy, if you tried to steal the body, you'd have those linen clothes every which way. But they were still undisturbed, laying there like a cocoon. Next is the grave clothes spoke of his death. But see, Jesus had conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen. So we see the plan for the grave clothes, the preparation of those grave clothes, the putting off of those grave clothes, and I want you to notice last of the proof of these grave clothes. The grave clothes lie there as one of the proofs that Jesus had resurrected. However, today... We do not have the privilege to look inside the tomb and observe the grave clothes undisturbed. I've never been to the tomb. I've never, I've seen it in pictures. I've never went in, but by faith, I, I feel like I'm in, I could be in that, I'm in that tomb right now looking around. I can see it by faith. I can see John. I can see Peter. I can see the, the, the sun coming up. I can see the early morning. I can see the grave clothes lying undisturbed. And I believe it by faith. You say, would you like to see it? Sure. Do I have to see it? No, I do not. Because I believe the word of God and the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we must believe by faith. Now, here's what's so wonderful. You remember the disciples, they were so confused. They didn't understand why Christ had to go and die. They didn't understand that. I want to focus in on three things very quickly. And it goes to the, what they seen. Follow, we're following those grave clothes, those linen clothes. Follow this. You'll get something out of this now. This is good. I don't care who you are. 
Verse 5. And he stooping down and looking in saw, S-A-W, he saw. Who's this? John. He saw the linen clothes. That word saw, if you was look it up in the original language, means to glance in, to look in. So he saw. He, he observed, if you will. Next, in verse 6, is the word seeth. Peter went into the sepulcher. He seeth the linen clothes. That means to glance. It means That means to, again, to look carefully, to observe. But in verse number 8, speaking of John, now notice this, then went in also that other disciple, that's John, which came first to the sepulcher. We know that's John. Further proof. And he done what, church? He saw, S-A-W, and he not only saw, the Bible says, and believed. The first time he looked in, he glanced in, John. He looked in, he gazed in. But in verse number eight, when he's in the tomb, it means that word saw is a different word, means to perceive with an intelligent comprehension. It clicked. <laughs> he, he understood it all lined up and came together, what has transpired here. It dawned on him, if you will. And it all came together, what had happened. First, he's not sure what's going on. He's just observing, looking. He focuses and fixates on him grave clothes. And then what happens? Then he goes in, and it dawns on him what's happened. And the Bible says he saw, he perceived with an intelligent comprehension, and he done what, church? He believed. He believed. The Bible says, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt, shalt be saved. The word grave clothes is only found, as I said earlier, one time in the entire Bible. Of course, we know grave clothes being linen clothes here. It's found in John chapter 11, verse 44. Remember, speaking of Lazarus, also a resurrection from the dead. In John chapter 11, verses 43 and 44, And when he had thus hath spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was bound about with a napkin, just like Christ. He had that napkin. There's a sermon in that too. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Let me encourage you on two things. The Bible tells in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 and 24, the Bible says that ye put off, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, that's the manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, verse 24, and that ye put on the new man. So what is he telling us? Get them grave clothes off. <laughs> and in verse Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you... Hath he quickened means to be made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So here's the point that I want to leave you with this morning. If you're out there this morning, you're lost. And you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. You can believe and be saved and have Christ loose you from those grave clothes. Christian, get out of that graveyard. Get out of those grave clothes. Don't walk around today and this week and through this crisis and pandemic and walk around like you're defeated. We're not defeated. We're not. Don't be discouraged. Look for the deliverer. We have 
the victory, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ behind us and the word of God. We're not defeated. We're not down. We're, it's not the end of us. Listen, we can walk in total victory today because he lives. I face tomorrow. Yesterday at the church, I went by and recorded a audio sermon of this message that you're hearing right now that I'm going to put on DVD for some others in our church, like Miss Cleo and others that want to watch this. That's one of the reasons I'm doing this platform that we're doing right now. And I was in that in the church, and it was a little chilly in there. It was a little cold and cavernous. It was empty and echoey. And I looked around in my mind's eye. I could see my church people, my flock, sitting out there in my mind's eye. And I thought, boy, it sure is empty. <laughs> sure is an empty sanctuary. But I thought about that tomb. It was cold and cavernous and dark and chilly in there. But it's empty. You say, wow, many church houses are empty today. Yes, they are. Many people doing drive-in services, doing online services, because you know what? They can't keep us down. You can't keep a good man down. We're going to get the gospel out, pandemic or no. We're going to get the gospel out, come what may. We'll find another way. You say, they'll take the building away. They'll take my Bible away. They'll take my hymnals away. They'll take everything away. Well, let them. They can't take Jesus Christ out of my heart. And they can't, he can't, nobody can take him out of your heart. So don't be discouraged. We serve a living, resurrected Savior today. And because he lives, because that grave's empty, and because there were those little secret people that never got any attention, one day we get to heaven, we're going to find there's a lot of people that never were mentioned, like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, people that nobody really thought much about, that done things in the background, things around the church that nobody ever seen but God. And we'll be in that line one day, the judgment seat of Christ, and the last will be first, the first shall be last. As Christ looks back and says, hey, you there in the back, I want you to come up here to the front. Those in the front, I want you to go to the back. Because you got the applause of men, but that person back there served and lived for me and done things in the shadows and the outskirts and helped me fulfill my will in the world. So I trust that is an encouragement to you. We love y'all. We appreciate you. Let me know if you need anything. I trust you have a great day together with friends and, and family. I just want to give you a couple of announcements today. Uh, birthdays today. Mark Spencer has a birthday, Sunday, April the 12th. Then Friday, April 17th, we've got James Clifton's got a birthday. We've got an anniversary. Thursday, April the 16th, Joe and Darlene Gravely, if our records serve us right, hopefully. So we wish you all a happy anniversary, a happy birthday. And Lord willing, we'll see you again here live on Wednesday night. And then in the future, we may look to do a drive-in service. We're waiting for that little do gadget to come in so you can hear me over your radios. Uh, to really cut down a lot of hard work it would be to set up a sound system. And, you know, the wind, the weather, the rain, the all the different factors, the pollen. So um, be praying about that. God bless you. Just trust you have a great, wonderful day with your friends and family living in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day given unto us. Thank you for that empty tomb. Thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Lord, help us to feel and be reminded of that power, that resurrection power. You may resurrect somebody today who's dead in trespasses and sin. They may trust you before it's everlasting eternity too late. 
And for the Christian that may be discouraged or in despair or despondent or depressed, may you encourage them as only you can. We ask it, Jesus, precious and holy name, and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you.